0: You're listening to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast with Davina Frederick.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. Our mission is to provide thought-provoking, powerful, and practical information to help you in creating your own sustainable, wealth-generating law firm without overwork or overwhelm so you can live your best life. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm here today with Jared Correa, CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting. COO of Gideon Software, Inc., host of the Legal Toolkit podcast, and author of Twitter in One Hour for Lawyers. Red Cave Law Firm Consulting provides subscription-based business management consulting for lawyers and law firms, and Gideon Software provides chatbot software for attorneys. Welcome, Jared. We're so pleased to have you on the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast.
0: Thanks for having me. When you read it, that sounds like a lot.
1: I duh well so, and I I even left out some intro. stuff. <laughs> I even you left out to. a few things. I left out <laughs> attorney at work. I left out the travel podcast. I'm sure there's oh, a, Lord. many many things, right? And we're going to dig into all of that today cuz uh I'm I'm excited to talk with you. You you are you write frequently and in different yes. places about law firm management. Mm-hmm. Uh and so I know we're gonna have a lot of things to cover, but I wanna start out with just giving me a little bit of background how you how you came to be here doing these things now.
0: <laughs> right. Um so I've been I've been consulting for a while now. So um I have my own consulting business, obviously, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. but I started in this game uh consulting with the state of Massachusetts. So I was essentially like the chief consultant for attorneys in Massachusetts. There was a free program there uh, run by the state Supreme Court. And that's who I worked for. Um, But before that, um, I went to law school, not having much of an idea of what I wanted to do in law school when I got there. So I was on the college debate team and I was like, what do I do with this? I guess I can go to law school. (laughs) And <laughs> so that's I where know. I went. And uh, I went to a local law school here in Boston, Suffolk Law School. And I was in law school for about two years. And I was like, legal stuff seems really boring. So I decided that it would be cool to have like a consulting firm for lawyers. And So right. I went to the career development office at my law school. And I was like, hey, I think I want to build a consulting business for lawyers. And uh, they were like, that's really stupid. You should get a real job. Um, <laughs> however, I did not really listen. I'm not particularly good at that. And so, uh, now like all these years later, I'm uh, running the, my own consulting business. And several years after that conversation, the law school actually hired me as a business management consulting. Uh, oh, wow. lawyers. So that's a fun part of that story that I like to tell, but I have no <laughs> ill will toward my law school. They were great. <laughs> I think I like to think I was just a little bit ahead of my time.
1: Yes, yes. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. And you know what? Other other people have visions in their mind of what attorneys should do and not do, but, or what people in general should do and not do, right? And we all have to live our own, follow our own hearts and live our own dreams. I mean, I remember, I, I've been told all kinds of things by uh, other attorneys who were a lot older than I was when I graduated. Well, I graduated from law school. It was a second career for me but I had people who had visions about the way that I should run my law practice and um, they didn't like it when I went against the grain. So there are always going to (laughs) be those people out there, you know,
0: it's a big issue with law. for like not to get too far down the rabbit hole here, but like identity issues with lawyers are a big deal. Like lawyers have this idea that they need to be a lawyer, but they need to act in the way that other people think lawyers should act, that they can't be themselves, which is really unfortunate. And like, not every profession is like that. So lawyers who do things differently, lawyers who focus on different things, who are non-traditional, like those are really the lawyers that I gravitate to. And I think they have the best and most fulfilling practices, frankly.
1: Right, right. You know, and the thing is is that you can also I mean, I had kind of a similar experience. I did I did uh open a practice after graduating from law school, but I I didn't love the day to day practice of law. And it just yeah. didn't it just didn't thrill me in the way that I thought it would. You know, you go to law school and you kind of have a vision in your head of what it means to be a lawyer. And, you know, and then you get out and you're like, oh, and then you start schlepping through all that paperwork every day. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. Going to court, getting yelled at by, you know,
0: (laughs) JAs. No, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, My kids are always like, your job seems really boring. I'm like, look, I got news for you. Every job is really boring. (laughs) (laughs) But you just need to find something that's a little less boring.
1: Right, right. Your job does not sound boring because you certainly <laughs> keep a lot of irons in the fire. So you like to hey, more
0: exciting than fire. law practice. Let me tell you.
1: <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about I I want to talk about I, I want to talk about Red Cave Legal, but I, I want to ask sure. you about Gideon Software because oh, yeah. I I love that. I found um, you you help attorneys with use chatbot and. Right for, uh, to, to help with, um, client, you know, retaining clients and client communication and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I find it fascinating because I know there are a lot of attorneys who are speaking of attorneys going against the grain here. I know there are a lot of attorneys who are going to hear this and they're going to go, no way. I don't (laughs) use my social media. I don't use messenger for, uh, getting retaining clients. I don't want, that's my personal, so there's always this debate that I have <laughs> with, my, with, with my clients and other women lawyers and say, but, you, you know, are you missing opportunities here? Right. Yeah, and yeah. so talk to me about that. And, and tell me, first of all, for those who may not know, explain what chat bots are.
0: Oh, sure. So like um, everybody's been probably on websites where there's like a chat function. Um, probably the simplest example is like Gmail. Google mm-hmm. chats, like bottom right-hand side of the corner uh, of the page, there's a messaging app. Um, <laughs> what's interesting is that like, you're right, I think most people still at this stage think of those as like personal use tools to mm-hmm. the extent that like, I use this in my personal life and I don't want to mix that with business. But if you look at the data that's coming out now about that, something like 90% of people want a message with brands rather than sending traditional emails or right. phone calls then there are various reasons for that. Like I think people tire of having phone calls because there's a lot of effort that's involved in that. Uh, I think people don't like the fact that they're not uh, getting uh, responses quickly enough because consumer engagement now is often about like rapid response times. So what we build is chat bots, which essentially have conversations with people, but Mm -hmm. through a set of scripted conversations or uh, some level of AI or machine learning. So, The idea is that people can have engagement slash conversations with a brand, but not with a human. So law firm consumers particularly, chat is useful for them because they want some level of engagement from the law firm or they're going to move on to the next law firm. So utilizing a chat bot is a way to get somebody to execute on a call to action. They can schedule an appointment. They can get some feedback. They can uh, request a meeting. They can do everything from a bot and there's some level of give and take. So being able to do that, it increases conversion significantly for law firms. And mm-hmm. we've seen like two times conversion rate on a particular call to action with the user uh, right now. And the advantage of using a bot rather than like individual humans is that this service is a lot cheaper than like a live chat service by uh, magnitudes. So right. um, that's kind of how we focused on this particular software proposition. And we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from lawyers. We're in beta right now. We've got 500 users in the beta. So Uh we're getting some significant traction,
1: which is exciting. Wow, that is exciting. And I, I, you know, the thing that I think would hang me up and I think would hang other attorneys up, I know because I thought about chatbots before, is for me, for my business, is, um, number one, The challenge of creating scripts that would make it seem like a natural conversation, right? And anticipating what the other person (laughs) is going to say. Right. That's the first thing. And then the second thing, and I I I want you to address that. The second thing is, you know, how do people respond if they know that this is a bot? Yeah. Like if they catch Um, on that this is what's going on, are they gonna go? you know, oh, she's not even talking to me, you know, like,
0: (laughs) right? No, I get it. Yeah. So, so for number one, right, I think that's a legitimate concern. And the problem is that for lawyers, especially like lawyers talk like lawyers. So we have people who design scripts and they say something like, were you involved in a tort? Yes or no. And a potential law firm client is like, what's a tort? I don't know what that is. Right. So like getting lawyers to use natural language is kind of what we go for. And we've actually got a lot of templates that are available. So we've built out a lot of scripts for various practice areas. So we would say something like, you know, were you injured in a in a motor vehicle? Were you injured in a car? Something like that. Mm -hmm. And using that natural language makes it a lot easier for people to respond and they're like, okay, I get that. I understand what that is and I can now converse because it doesn't sound like I'm talking to a robot. It doesn't sound like I'm talking to a lawyer. Like Natural language is the way to go. And as I said, we build out scripts for that. So uh, in all instances, I think like as a lawyer, you're trying to drive business. So you want to be as consumer friendly as possible. So everything you write, everything you do should have a consumer focus on it. And that includes designing the scripts for these bots. Um, the other piece of it is really interesting. So I can see where you're coming from, like what if somebody gets turned off by a bot because it's been concealed from them? And our approach is like, we're not concealing anything from anybody. Like, We want them to know it's a bot. We indicate that it is before Mm -hmm. any conversation starts, like, hey, this is a chat bot. And interestingly enough, in California, for example, Mm -hmm. they have a law that says that you have to indicate that it's not a human that's talking to them. There has to be some kind of indication of that. So we try to make it very clear that it's a bot. And what we found is that people like it because they have some inkling that they're not gonna get immediate access to a lawyer. But if Mm -hmm. they can do something to move the process forward, and so for example, we built in like an automatic scheduling tool into the bot. So people can get through like four or five questions and they can schedule an appointment with an attorney. Like they feel very good about that. And they can do it quickly, which is I think the other piece of it. So I think if you were like 85 years old, and you run a chat bot, you'd be like, what the hell is this? But if like, you're like a 40, 50, <laughs> 30-year-old consumer, like it's a very obvious way to interact with a business in 2020. Right. And right. I think if it's clear what's happening, people are not offended in any way. And like I said, we get really good rates in terms of like people who complete conversations, people who actually access a call to action, like booking a meeting. And they're very comfortable with that. And um, On this topic, like one of the things we're building out is this hybrid live chat tool, which is Um, if it's a client who's interested and we have a whole hierarchy of like, whether or not somebody's a good client for a law firm, we have tags and labels that you can aggregate together to build out like an information set that will say, this is an A client, this is a B client, this is a C client. Like if Mm -hmm. you get ping that you've got a notification from like an A or B client, as a user, you can then come in and live chat with them. And the bot essentially switches over from a bot to a live person, Mm -hmm. but you're not paying for a live chat service you have somebody from your office come in and it's not a tire kicker. It's somebody who's an actual viable client for the firm. Right. So those are great questions. And like, I think the tools that are available now really answer for those pretty effectively.
1: Yeah. it's one. It's it's a wonderful screening tool. I love it. And you know, what's interesting, what it's so interesting to me is that, you know, my, my clients now are other lawyers and I, I am on social media a lot and I find that that is how most all of, I'd say 95%, more than that probably, of my clients reach out to me, they do it through a me- through Messenger. They do it through a <laughs> messenger app of some kind. Yep. And that's totally how they true. and they're so attorneys are using it to get services. So why would they cut themselves off from the opportunity to get clients the same way? You know? And no, it's funny uh, that you mentioned that. Yeah, because I think attorneys are ahead of this a lot
0: in terms mm-hmm. of like their professional interactions but mm-hmm. interestingly enough when you talk to them about doing this with consumers they're like hold on a second but they do it like <laughs> every day with other lawyers
1: <laughs> exactly exactly i mean that's we're communicating through texts and apps and all kinds of things now because nobody wants to talk on the phone anymore and when you're right. what i love about you know uh, these kind of any way we can automate things right uh, it, that's going to help us because we're busy. We're busy. Our team's busy. We're producing the work we're doing the things. And so anything that you can do that you can automate and sort of answer some of those standard questions that are going to come up and also gather the information you need to determine whether or not this is an ideal client for you. I mean, Hey, why wouldn't you do that? If it's, if it's effective and it's working, you
0: know? Oh, totally like this notion of like omni-channel marketing, even across different messaging systems, this idea that like there's so many tools out there that automate the practice. Like it's frankly a great time to be running a small law office.
1: Oh, I know. I know. I talk about that all the time. Like even me, <laughs> even with me, I started mine uh back in 2007. And I say Facebook was just an infant and Instagram hadn't been born yet. And yeah. And it, it to me it doesn't seem like that long ago, right? And but but in, from a technological standpoint, man leaps and bounds, leaps and bounds of then, <laughs> totally. you know, totally. So that so I'm excited you told us about that, and because I think a lot of people want to check that out. And you guys are uh, you're taking on like a beta clients now, or is it something you're still
0: yeah um, ready to by roll the out time. Something? Yeah, by the time this podcast releases, may, we may be out of beta, but if not, if anybody's listening, definitely take advantage of the beta because it's going to be free until we come out of beta. Um, yeah. We want to build out a f- couple more features more fully before we release from beta. And mm-hmm. so we want to have the best possible product um, when we come out. And in yeah. the meantime, like having this many people in beta allows us to test a lot of things and get attorneys impressions on what we're doing and like improve the product as it goes along. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. I love it. All right. Well, so shifting you. gears a little bit then. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your your podcast because I I'm a fan. I follow Legal oh, Toolkit. Thank you. I listen. Yeah. Very
0: kind of you to say.
1: And you I and my mom, I,
0: I think, listen to the show.
1: <laughs> I wish that I could fit in all the podcasts that I love to listen to. So I <laughs> I listen to a few episodes of different ones and, and then I think, oh, I'm gonna go back and listen to all of these, right? And then of course, right. you know, who's got that kind of time <laughs> um between that and all the other information we're trying to cram in our head and and then all the of course oh, the fun oh, podcasts there's that too much we good through. content out there. Yeah, I know. But legal toolkit, how long have you been doing that?
0: So believe it or not, I have had that podcast for, uh, 12 years. <laughs>
1: wow. Wow. Which, 12 years.
0: Yeah. Wow. I was, I was one of the first and the people. In the podcasting like, world, like,
1: that is crazy. That's crazy. That's ancient.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think I was one of the first people to do a legal podcast. And I, I, uh-huh. I got lucky, frankly, like mm-hmm. many things that have happened in my life is getting lucky. Um, there was a podcast network and, um, They had a guy who was a host and they were like, The host can't show up today for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, Would you like to sub in for this guy? And I said, Sure. I don't even really know what a podcast is, but I'll try it. Like, why not? Uh And then the other host never came back.
1: (laughs) And I just took
0: over the show. (laughs) And now we're like twelve years, almost two hundred episodes in. And it's kind of crazy that it's still ongoing. And then like in the interim in the space of time between starting that podcast and now like podcasting has totally exploded like I used oh. to have to explain to people like what a podcast was they're like what are you talking about what is this <laughs> thing that you do and now the conversation is totally shifted where people are like oh you have a podcast that's really awesome so it's been funny to watch that develop over time frankly yeah
1: yeah and 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 you, you know, what's amazing, too, is 12 years you've been doing this and you haven't run out of topics or guests or things to talk about regarding law firm growth and management, you know, because it's just an ever-changing landscape.
0: It's kind of like what you were talking about before, which is like, it's a totally different world now than it was five years ago.
1: Uh-huh.
0: There's always new ideas. There's always new technology. There's always new people entering the scene. So it's like it's actually been very easy to keep it up, believe it or not.
1: My issue is is that there's there's not enough. Like I I'm not at a point where I can do it daily, and there's <laughs> always there's always right. topics I want to talk about. You know. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, I could totally do a daily podcast. Me. I hear yeah. you. <laughs> well, you can't totally do a daily podcast because you have uh what one or two other podcasts that you're doing as well.
0: Oh, just one, just one. Just one, um, just one other one.
1: Okay, okay.
0: So, this is mostly my wife, uh, is a part time travel agent. Um, mm-hmm. and she, she books a lot of trips for people. And like we were looking around online and we, we saw that there weren't like a lot of podcasts about traveling with kids. Mm-hmm. And we're very militant about like taking our kids places with us. Um, because I want them to be like well rounded. And so, like, my son is eight. Um, he's been to 45 States or something crazy like that. Um, he's been to Hawaii like three times. We live in Massachusetts. So I want them to get that experience. And so we look for ways to travel with a family, uh, without like breaking the bank and also making it enjoyable for them and us. So basically we decided to talk about how we do that in the podcast and also like specific trips we've taken. And so oh, wow. we've released something like 20, 25 episodes or something like that. Um, and we took a bit of a hiatus because, um, we had a little bit of travel on both ends, uh, of late, but we're going to start doing new episodes in the near term. But, uh, yeah, we, uh, we knocked out a bunch of different things, a lot of diversity, and we just talk about how to travel with kids. Cause again, like I couldn't find anything online that really addressed that. And it's a really fun podcast to do when. And you know what this is like. You're always talking about one thing, right? I'm always talking about legal and law practice management and business management for lawyers. So to change gears and to talk yeah. about something else is like a fun release.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And how old are your how you have your son who's eight and how old are your
0: other children? I have, have a one. son who's eight. I have a daughter who's just turned five. Um and like like I said, we try to travel everywhere with them. And and we call the podcast the lobby list because my kids are the obnoxious kids who will like go into a hotel lobby and rate it.
1: So we get into the lobby and
0: they're like, this is an eight or this is a 6.5 or this is a 4.5. I'm disappointed. And so that's why we call the podcast the lobby list. Cause like my kids have a running list of lobbies that we've been to.
1: That, that is so more. hilarious that is so <laughs> hilarious. They're becoming yeah, they're, they're becoming like so sophisticated and like travel snobs at a very young age uh, because I hey know. they've just experienced everything. <laughs> And I'm telling sometimes have one I question. feel like I'm
0: creating a monster.
1: Yeah, I have one question Will you adopt me? Because I would really love sure. to travel to, <laughs> to, go to Hawaii three times. Yeah, we'll
0: take you places. You just let me know. I'll let you know when the next trip is coming up and we'll get yeah, you
1: booked. Yeah, you guys are living that good life. You're living that good life. Your kids are.
0: Well, I mean, I mean. Oh, my kids definitely are. But it's like, but it's something we put a priority on. Like, right. like, I want my kids to get real world knowledge. I want them to be well-rounded. I want them to know there are communities outside of the one that they live in every day. Right. Um. So we're going, uh, next month we'll be in Europe for 10 days. So that
1: oh, be Wow. Fun. Wow. That is so enriching and, and for their lives, you know, that's going to set them up as citizens of the world for their lives, you know? How awesome yeah, is that?
0: I hope so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So and and then they'll probably have their own podcast, you know, within a couple of years anyway. And right, right. <laughs> and then I
0: said, you know, when you guys are older, you can take me on trips. I don't know if they're bought into that yet, but I'm working on it.
1: You're working on it. Yeah. You're laying the groundwork. There won't be <laughs> any place left to go.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Right.
1: <laughs> uh so, so tell me. So, you've got two podcasts, and you also are a pretty prolific writer. I know you work for. Uh, you read the book, and I want to yep. talk about your book. And but you also write for Attorney at Work. Uh, yep. You're one of their writers or contributors there. And uh, am I missing something, Attorney at um, Work?
0: I put stuff out all over the place. So I'm. I've always been a big believer in content marketing. I kind of jumped on that a little bit early, too. Um, I think Mm -hmm. content marketing, social media marketing, like that's really effective for small businesses, even law firms. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of folks don't focus on that, but it's a great way to drive authority online. Um, I've always been I've always been really consistent about writing. So I have a column with attorney at work, which I really enjoy. I've Mm -hmm. been doing that on a monthly basis for gosh probably a decade at this point. I've had columns with other places as well, but some of those are like shorter term projects So, mm-hmm. I did a 10 article series for Above the Law a little while back on like legal tech startups. I had an advice column with lawyerists for a little while. I was writing with uh, American Lawyer Media for a little bit, but then I do a lot of one-off projects, blogging, white papers, webinars, do a lot of webinars as well. Um, you know, once, you, once you've kind of established yourself in a marketplace, Uh, People tend to reach out to you. And then you have the opportunity to do some of this influencing marketing, which is great in terms of like expanding your profile and also in terms of getting those backlinks for uh, search rankings. So um, all of it uh, has worked out for me. And I, you know, I tend to write fast, I just have the ability to do that. And I talked to some people and I'm like, yeah, I, I wrote this like 1,500 word article, I knocked it out last night. And a lot of lawyers are perfectionists. So they're like, oh, it would take me like three weeks to do that,
1: right? And for right. whatever they gotta reason, cite, they got to do cite everything and all that. So you're like, you're writing a blog, not a, <laughs> not a, you know, a, a, a scholarly article or paper or something. That's where people, that's where they get themselves hung up. I think. Oh yeah, Th-
0: that's such a great way to put it because lawyers, they're right. They're like, I got to cite to this, or like, I have to have authority for this. And I'm like, man, it's just a blog. Take it easy. Yeah, <laughs> or it's it's just, just like a exactly. whoa, video. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just put it out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah like it's writing
0: for the consumer, writing like you speak, like that makes it so much easier. And lawyers just like they have a hard time getting to that point.
1: Right, and well, you know, the thing about it is, though, is that even even. We attorneys who have all this education and we have high reading comprehension skills and stuff like that, when we're scrolling social media or we're looking through emails, we don't want to read heavy stuff like that. We want to read something that's short and quick and gives us, you know, what information we need to improve our lives and our businesses. And we want to scroll on, you know, so that. That's the way you have to think about it when you're putting out content, right?
0: Oh, I I tell people all the time, it's not that consumers are dumb. It's just that there's like information overload. And you're right. It sounds like you do the same thing. I do the same thing. I'm scrolling. And if something is like interesting to me, I'll scan it. But yeah, I don't want to read like 2,500 words on a topic. I'll do like 500, 250. Like that's enough for me. And yeah, I yeah, scan is, get
1: those subtitles and say, okay, here yep. are the, <laughs> here are the three yeah, and things, and here's the number awesome. one secret that I need. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. Okay, yeah. Got it. <laughs> Draw people in, get them to read a little bit, and it's about like repetition, creating you know. authority, and like that's the end goal. Not writing something that like a judge would be like, this is great. <laughs> that's not what yeah. you want. Yeah.
1: Well, you know what I I find interesting, and I'm sure you've heard the same kind of thing. And clients who are reluctant to uh, put things out there is is they make it is they make it too hard by overthinking it and saying, "Oh, I've got to write this comprehensive." Well, that's going to lead me to have to explain this, explain this, and they don't. And they also like, "What is what's going to be the most powerful, important topic I could do?" Like, you've got more knowledge in your little finger about your you know, area of law or your worldview or whatever, <laughs> then late people do. Right. So yeah. yeah, you can pick something that to you seems like such a simple, obvious thing and write about it off the top of your, you should be picking things that you could write about off the top of your head. Right. Cause you've already got the knowledge totally. there.
0: Yeah. Well, and, no, it's funny. Like I had a, uh, I have a consulting client of mine and we just started working together and he sent me like this uh, letter he wrote to his client. He's like, do you think this is useful in any way? he wrote Mm -hmm. like this four page letter to his clients with like 10 questions, 10 common questions about like a particular practice area of his. I'm like, dude, this is like 20 blog posts. I'm like, split this up, put it online and you're good to go. (laughs) But attorneys think that way. Like they're like, I'll send a letter to my clients about this topic or these topics. And then they don't think of it again. They're like, what application outside of like an old school written letter would this have? And you're right. Attorneys are sitting on like these content gold mines that they're just not converting on. So everything's right. in place. It's just a matter of having the courage and the consistency to put it out online.
1: I think also the fear is that, you know, if, if I give away all this information, then people aren't going to want to hire me because I've already told them what to do, you know? <laughs> and Yes. What do you say to that when you hear that one? No, that's (laughs) what I say, but I wanna know what you say.
0: (laughs) Okay. I'll say what I say. Maybe we can trade. I'll say what I say and then you say what you say.
1: Okay. Um,
0: Well, I think part of it is like that fear because they've always heard from other attorneys that like, don't give away the farm, right? You need Mm -hmm. to leave people wanting more so they'll hire you. But then there's this issue of ethics as well. I think attorneys like, I can't about that because I'm giving them legal advice, but Mm -hmm. On that score, that's not really the case because you're not addressing like a client's hypothetical. You're talking Mm -hmm. about the legal process and how it works generally. And then you're also able to attach disclaimers to that and non-engagement letters if you decide not to hire somebody. So you're pretty square as far as that's concerned as well. But like this whole notion that like somebody's going to take your legal process advice and use it is so crazy. Like Mm -hmm. and studies show consistently that that's what clients want. They want information about attorney's niche expertise, and they want information about the legal process. So it's not like a client is going to say, hey, that's great. Um, I'm going to go to law school, get a legal degree, <laughs> prosecute this case on my own, and I'll let you go know how it goes in like five years. It's like when I hire a plumber to snake my toilet, I'm not going to listen as he tells me how to do it and then be like, okay, thanks. I'm going to go do this myself. It just doesn't happen. So. No.
1: It, people are too all, all and even that, if you could people are too lazy anyway you're like no i'd rather right. do something else you know they have other interests other things right. they'd so rather all do. that
0: all that fear is overblown and then um, the other piece of it too is that like lawyers are particularly well situated to offer that advice and legal consumers are looking for a guide but they don't want to do it themselves so somebody if somebody's contacting a lawyer studies mm. have consistently shown that they're very into hiring that lawyer they're not going to go in and do it on their own. So if they don't use you, they're going to go use somebody else, and that's potentially somebody else who's willing to explain the legal process to them
1: right, right. And the thing about it is, is you put you could put it all out there, and people are people are going to go out and search for information. It, it is we go to right. Google and the Google and Bing <laughs> or whatever you're using, and you're you're yeah, searching true. for information, okay. And when you're searching for the information, somebody's going to put something out there. So there are right. people putting stuff right. out there. So why do, why <laughs> would you want your name to be the one that is associated with this great information instead of your competitor's name being associated with this great information? Because yep. who do you think, then that they are going to think knows their stuff? And they're going to yep. appreciate the value that they've provided without charging them anything. Here's this value that they provided that I got for free. Now I'm going to feel more inclined to to say, okay, they really know what they're talking about.
0: Totally and, great point. It's always my opinion. It's always better to control the narrative than not. Mm-hmm. you spot on there.
1: So tell me about Red Cave Legal, and you have this uh, subscription service that you where you provide. Mm. Uh, consulting for right. attorneys to help them grow their businesses or to help them manage their businesses.
0: Yep. So um, as I mentioned uh, previously, <laughs> I worked for the state of Massachusetts for um, several years as their consultant. And uh, I had two kids in daycare and mm-hmm. uh, I was like, man, this is really expensive. <laughs> I said, I need to get like a real job that pays real money. <laughs> so I was working <laughs> for a nonprofit essentially. And yeah. Um, so I said, like, look, I get all this interest from people around the globe, frankly, who want to work with me on consulting in terms of, like, their law practices. And, like, I'm not, I'm not actualizing any of that. So I uh, left there around 2016. So it's been about five years since I've had my own company. It's a little bit wow. different than what I was doing with the state. So I found that, like, a lot of the people I talked to, I talked to them once. And then I talked to them later, like five years down the line, and I'd be like, how's everything going? And they were like, well, it's still the same. And I would get nowhere with people. So I decided that I wanted to do this on a subscription basis. So the way it works is essentially that people get two hours a month with me to talk mm-hmm. um, and, and run their business. And it's like strategy sessions. So <laughs> we talk about like, okay, here are the 20 things we're working on. Here are the two or three things we're going to focus on this month. And we try to get after like practical solutions on how to do that. Most of it's related to technology, marketing, financial management, growth, standard stuff for law firms. But at this point, I've probably consulted with like 5,000 law firms or so over the last 10 years. And like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I I haven't seen a lot of things. There are not a lot of things that I haven't seen. So Mm -hmm. Addressing this with lawyers is kind of old hat at this Mm -hmm. point. And it's just a matter of drilling down to that specific law firm and what they need. Um, So that subscription service uh, has been ongoing for a while now, got a decent chunk of clients uh, doing that with me across the globe at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's been going really well. And then I also work with uh, some bar associations. I actually do uh, outsourced consulting for bar associations. So I actually took what I was doing in Massachusetts and I like outsource it as a consultant to bar associations that don't want to hire somebody full time to do that kind of work.
1: Oh, great. Terrific. Terrific. In doing this work, you know, you were talking about um, you've probably heard everything now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and what what I what I find, always find so fascinating when talking with law firm owners and is that is the pushback of, well, we can't do that in my practice area or we can't <laughs> do that in my, right. lo- you know, my geographic location or this won't work. You know the, the famous this won't work <laughs> right you know for no, yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, and no, but, but you like, find after doing this work for a long time, you know what have you found?
0: Well, it's funny, people like people are like how do you how do you work with an attorney in California and then an the attorney in Alabama and an attorney in Uganda, and I'm like, the principles are generally the same, it's just a matter of applying it to that jurisdiction or that particular practice area, and it's not it's right. not all that different like i I think the thing which you probably found as well is there are more commonalities than there are differences. And I would even stress beyond that, like, a lot of it is not like there are just commonalities to running law firms. There are commonalities to running small businesses, like full stop, including law firms. And lawyers are often not looking at, like, other industries or other business types to draw inspiration. But I'm always interested to see what other types of companies are doing because there are applications for legal. And frankly, there are also applications for those other companies within legal as well. But right. as we talked about before, like there's a lot of isolation, especially with solo and small firm attorneys. And those people are mostly head down on the work they're doing and they're not spending time managing their business. But if they did, they would see that like a lot of this stuff is like applicable regardless of where your law firm is located what your practice area is especially in terms of like marketing and technology
1: right right you know it's it's funny one of the things that i'm in all these um you know groups on social media and stuff like that and lawyers will go on and express their upset about this client and this client doesn't want to pay or this client you know, did this thing that upset me or whatever. And the lawyers or other lawyers are chiming in, you know, about this or that. And, and it's always so funny to me because I've owned different businesses and I've had a law practice. I have this business I've had, you know, I owned a high performance fitness training studio. I've owned some other Mm -hmm. businesses and, and it's so funny to me because I read it and I think, you know, Attorneys tend to think that this only happens to them, <laughs> you know. But you ask any other business owner out there, and 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 those those attorneys who were saying this only happens to lawyers, I'm the oh, only totally. one that totally. they that people don't want to pay. Yep. And you're like, are you kidding? You've obviously never owned owned another small business, because
0: <laughs> I mean, no, it's funny. Like payment processing, e payments. Does that work for businesses? Do people outside of law use that? I'm like, yes, in fact, they do. <laughs> Microsoft Office, same thing.
1: Now <laughs> yeah, there are management tools of all kinds out there and chatbots and all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah,
0: and that's the problem. Like lawyers, a lot of what lawyers think is like, cause they've got tunnel vision. They think like, okay, like do other law firms use this? Or is this something that's been done elsewhere? And yeah. by and large, the answer is yes. <laughs> so yeah. there's like yeah. always a use case in place somewhere. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and, and we're not being singled out because we're attorneys, you know, for for people, you know, who try to get things for free or take advantage or whatever. Because if you've ever yeah. owned another business, you know that there are always going to be people out there like that, you know, who <laughs> right. who just want to try always to get the best deal they can or get the most free information they can or whatever, you know totally. You, you wrote a book, Twitter in one hour for lawyers. Tell me what, (laughs) what of of all, because you've had many, many topics, um, through the year coming through your (sighs) your podcast. Like I said, why Twitter?
0: Right, right, right. In one hour for lawyers. I'm kind of an early adopter traditionally of technology and new ideas. And so around the time I started getting active on Twitter, like I was also getting active with the ABA. So when I was uh-huh. a lawyer, I wasn't particularly active with the American Bar Association,
1: uh-huh. but I
0: was as like a consultant for whatever reason. So right around that time, it was like a confluence of events where I was getting active on Twitter, people were noticing me, and the ABA was producing this series of books, like this in one hour series. And the idea was like, uh, the author's gonna teach you how to do one thing within an hour. And so they just reached out to me and they said, do you think you could put a book together where you could tell people how to use Twitter in an hour? I'm like, sure. Why not? So I put the book together. <laughs> um, like I wrote this book probably like the month before my son was born.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: my wife really hated me during this period of time. <laughs> but I got through it, got it published, and it's funny, like I, I still have people talk to me about the book. The book's almost ten years old at this point, but um I do talk to attorneys who are like hey, I read that book, and I utilized it, and I'm actually drawing business from Twitter. Oh, it's still relevant. Professional development connections. Yeah. I mean, like the ideas are the same, regardless of the fact that the platform has changed slightly. And most of what I talk about in that book is also true of other social media sites as well. So yeah, I mean, it was a really interesting experience. And I know for a fact that people have used that book to good ends. So I was very happy to have done it. Um, I'll tell you that I write more, uh, you know, white papers, uh, webinars, just because those are easier than writing a book. And part of the yeah. drawback with a book is like, especially a paper book like that, like it ages relatively quickly. So yeah. now I do more like evergreen type of content, but it was a really good experience and that people have used it, continue to use it. So I was glad to be able to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Twitter now, you know, we have, we have a, uh, uh uh, the president Twitters and that's his main platform and he's very effective in getting his message out there. So for, I mean, for me so
0: crazy to think of like 10 years ago, could you imagine a president doing that?
1: No way. No, no, no. There's a lot of things I can't imagine the president doing. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> right. But oh, we will, we will go down that path. Um, but uh, it's funny because I, like I have a Twitter account. But I tend to, I think everybody sort of tends to find platforms that they like, that they tend to gravitate to more than others. And we can make some, you know, predictions about which ones, you know, you should be using. If your ideal client is X, you know, then you're more likely Mm -hmm. to find them here than you are there uh, and stuff like that. But um, Well, that's
0: the analysis I think. I think you're spot on when it comes to that. Like, it's not necessarily about the channel that you enjoy using it's about like the channel that your clients are using
1: right right um so i do have before we wrap up i do have a last question here and this is uh what are your thoughts about mike judge and idiocracy <laughs>
0: <laughs> great movie
1: i have to say I, though like my I favorite that mike on judge one of your movie podcasts
0: yes <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Mike Judge fan. Like, Idiocracy is a movie that people don't know about.
1: Um, I love that movie. You got
0: Luke Wilson in there. You got Dax Shepard before he was famous. And basically, like, Luke Wilson goes into the future, and everyone's really stupid. Like, he's a file clerk in present (laughs) day, and he becomes, like, the Secretary of State and saves the world. It's a crazy movie. But, like, Mike Judge had produced some, like, Wild movies. That, that's not even his best movie. Like Office Space, I think is better than Idiocracy. But that's one that people don't know. It's oh, really I lit. love
1: that. I love. but I'm a big Mike Judge fan too. I oh, King yeah. of the Hill. I'm a King of the Hill fan.
0: <laughs> King of the Hill is great. I love that show.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My husband's always calling me taste. Peggy Hill. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. you and it's, amazing, it's amazing how many I do, th- you know, how many things I do that are very Peggy Hill-like. Trust me. And it it's amazing how many things he does that are very Hank Hill-like. It
0: <laughs> hey, could be worse, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's absolutely hilarious. And, uh, and I love both office space and idiocracy. They, they crack me up. Um yes. so I yes. heard so you go mention watch that those, on a podcast, everybody. <laughs> I heard you mention that on a podcast and I thought, oh, this is gonna be great. It's gonna be a great interview. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it has been. I've really enjoyed this. I appreciate yeah, you having me on.
1: You. Thank you so much. And so tell us uh how everybody can find out more information about you and find you if they want to reach out to you. Um oh, yeah, we sure.
0: to. yeah, um I'm happy to talk to people, have them reach out to me. Probably the Two best places to go are um, my consulting website, which is redcavelegal.com, R-E-D-C-A-V-E-L-E-G-A-L.com. And for the software stuff, if folks are interested in the chat box, you can get a demo at uh, gideon.legal, G-I-D-E-O-N.legal.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And you also passed the spelling portion of our podcast today. I thought I would throw that in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's helpful. It's helpful. Listen, I have a name like Davina Frederick. So I'm always, I'm always spelling, I say, and I spell. <laughs> so I appreciate lot. that. Yeah. 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 I appreciate that. And, uh, I'm sure our listeners will too. And, and Jared, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. I really enjoyed it. And I'm sure you and I could probably talk for another hour, but we'll wrap this up for those, for those people that like, uh, can't listen to two or three hour (laughs) podcasts, Right. Thank Um, you. This has been a blast.
0: The Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast is sponsored by Wealthy Woman Lawyer, LLC. We help women law firm owners build wealth generating law firms without overwork and overwhelm so they can reclaim their time and create the lives of their dreams. If you are ready to create more of what you truly desire in your business and your life, then you'll want to sign up for our free training, How to Transform Your Solo Practice into a Seven-Figure Firm with Total Ease. Register at WealthyWomanLawyer.com webinar.